you've been in those boring staff meetings before, right? The excruciatingly long staff meetings that just seem like they're never going to end. Uh, the staff meetings that make you want to pull out Leviticus, you know, just to live a little, just to have something interesting to do. Those kind of staff meetings. Okay, we're all familiar with that. Um, maybe the word staff meeting, it doesn't conjure up the most uh, exciting thoughts to your brain. You know, I don't know. Well, did you know that heaven has staff meetings? In fact, heaven staff meetings are where the affairs of earth are dictated. They involve various spiritual beings, and all these beings are assigned authority over various territories across the planet. And then once in a while, they all get together and they hash out their plans. Now, perhaps you're hearing all this and you're thinking, that's weird. Like, I don't remember reading that in the Bible before. Where is that? Well, if that's you, then you are in the right place today because this is actually all through the Bible. And if you listen to today's episode until the end, I'm going to demonstrate three pretty outlandish things. Okay, you're probably going to be skeptical that I can really do this. But give me a chance here. In the next 20 minutes, I'm going to prove, one, that God has staff meetings to determine the affairs of man. Two, that both good and evil spiritual beings are invited to attend and contribute at these meetings. And three, that this is mentioned in various places of scripture. That's pretty wild, right? But if you're willing to listen to the end, I'm going to back it all up with Bible. So we'll start with 1 Kings 22, turn there in your Bible, and let's get weird. Welcome to Weird Stuff in the Bible, where we explore scripture passages that are bizarre, perplexing, or just plain weird. This is Luke Taylor, and today we're going to be talking about how God makes decisions. Does God just sit on his throne in heaven and dictate to everybody else what's going to happen? Well, I wish it was that simple, because that would be simple. That would be easy for me to wrap my mind around. I mean, after all, God is God. God knows everything. God is all-powerful. So why would God ever need to seek anybody else's input? or ideas. I mean, wouldn't God already know best? And yet, we could ask the same question about our prayers. Why would God solicit our opinions when determining how to rule the world, or even over our lives? Doesn't he already know best? And yet, he does ask our opinion. He invites us to pray. I can't explain it, but I'm thankful for it. And so, just like God will ex accept our prayer requests, God will also interact with other spiritual beings to discuss how to manage the earth. And we're going to read a story about that here in a little bit, but I want to explain one other thing first. There are different spirits who are assigned to different territories all around the world. And I'm using the word spirit. It's kind of a vague word. That's because these there's a variety. There are good and evil spirits. We mentioned this in last week's episode, and we're going to dig deeper into that going forward in the podcast. In Deuteronomy 32, it actually says that God affixed the boundaries of all the nations of the world because of these spiritual beings and where they are given jurisdiction. So in other words, God did not create a nation and then assign a spirit to that territory. God actually assigned the spirits to different territories, and then those territories became nations. And so many of the spirits who were assigned authority over those regions, and we, we might call them fallen angels at times or demons— but um, as we go through the podcast, I'm going to try to be more specific in my terminology. For now, we'll just call them fallen angels. The Bible's word for these also are the Elohim. And this word can be translated as gods in our Bible. That is an accurate way to translate the word Elohim. You've probably heard of the word Elohim before. 
That's because it's a word that can also refer to God or to Yahweh, the one true God. And it's a very interesting word because, um, you know, depending on the context of how it's used, sometimes it refers to the one true God. And sometimes the word Elohim refers to a council of gods who rule over the nations. Most Christians only know about the word Elohim as referring to the one true God. And as I said, it's kind of an interesting word. Elohim is a plural word. It means more than, you know, it it, it means uh, plural means more than one of something. But yet the word Elohim is a word for God who is one singular being. And so that's that's probably because the one true God is a triune being. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he's he's three in one. And so Elohim, even though it's a plural word, it can be used to refer to the one true God, Yahweh. However, as I said before, Elohim can have another meaning, depending on the context. It can also refer to a group of beings, and I'm going to call these beings the divine council. These are also called, called gods in the Bible, but I'm calling them gods with a small g, okay? A lowercase g. Now, I know some of you are thinking that I'm some kind of heretic because I just said there are different gods in the Bible, okay? And many of you are thinking, there are not any other gods. There's just the one God, okay? So as I say this, that really just depends on what you mean by the word God, okay? There is only one who is the creator of the universe. There is only one Yahweh, okay? That is correct to say. But the Bible also says he is the God of gods. So what does that even mean? Sometimes it says Yahweh is so much better than all the other gods. Well, if they don't even exist, period, then how is that much of a compliment, right? <laughs> That's not a very strong statement to say God is greater than a bunch of things that don't even exist. What about in 1 Corinthians, where Paul says that food that's sacrificed to idols is actually food sacrificed to demons? So, you know, it's like, what? how do we take these things? So the gods are real. They just are not legitimate replacements for Yahweh. But there are other gods who are spiritual beings in the Bible. So we're going to get to 1 Kings chapter 22 in a few moments. I know I had you turn there before. Hold your finger there. Let's look at one other place first. Let's look at Psalm 82. Psalm 82 is a great area to see the divine counsel that is addressed by God. Okay, so we're going to look at Psalms 82. And I'm gonna, let me start here with verse 1. This is how Psalm 82 begins. It says, God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Okay, so it says God is in the midst of the Elohim. This is called the divine council right here. And there it is right here. It's saying it's plainly, plain as day in the Bible. God holds court in the midst of the gods. Okay, the midst of the gods is what the Bible says. So the gods are real. Now, these gods are not more powerful than God but they are definitely real. And when I say the gods are real, I'm talking about these small g gods, okay? And I think that's how your Bible puts it too. It puts the word gods, but with a small lowercase g, okay? They are not mightier than Yahweh. He is the capital G God. He's the creator God of the universe and everything in it. He's he's the OG. The others are small g, all right? <laughs> so let me read verse one again. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods, he holds judgment. Right there in your Bible, it's talking about the small g gods, okay? So, hey guys, look, I know we're like eight minutes into this podcast. I have already dropped a lot of information on you, okay? Some, 
<laughs> Some of you, your heads might be spinning at this point. If you if you're not following everything I'm saying, go back and restart this episode. Okay, you might some of you might need to do that. That's okay, because I know I'm going a little fast. If you haven't caught everything that I'm saying so far, totally fine. But that but you need to understand that as we read about what the divine council is. Okay, because that's what it brought up here in this first verse. Something called the divine council. And now verse two, this is God speaking to the divine council. He says. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Selah. So God is upset with them. He is upset with these small g gods because they they have been given authority over the nations, and yet they have not been using their authority properly. Some of these spirits that God has put in charge of the nations, they've been acting in rebellion to him. So he is upset with them in this psalm. Let's get down to verses six through eight. This is what God says. I said, you are gods, sons of the most high, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to have an episode where I talk about these beings in the Bible who are called the sons of God. And we're going to answer that question then as, it, as he says, you're sons of the most high, you are gods. We're going to talk about this all a little bit more. I'm going to talk about that in just a few weeks. But here, just for today, what I hope I've established is that there is a divine council, okay? There is a divine council that God has created. It's this group of Elohim, or gods, and he uses them to help him run the planet. So let's drill down a little bit, and let's see what this looks like a bit more practically. So now we'll finally go to 1 Kings 22. <laughs> There's a story in 1 Kings 22 about a king named Ahab. And this is a, actually kind of a pretty famous king. You know, there's like 20-something kings in the Old Testament in, in the books of well, First and Second Kings. You read about all these different kings. One of the most well-known kings was Ahab. I think of Ahab as kind of like the Bill Clinton of ancient Israel, okay? He, he wasn't the worst king that the nation ever had, but everything just kind of turned to crap after he got through with it. <laughs> and, and his wife, too. His, his wife was a real Jezebel, we might say. So... Ahab is this guy, and he never strikes me as super bright. He wanted prophets to surround him who just basically told him all the things he wanted to hear. Like he just hired a bunch of Joel Osteens to sit around his throne, and they whispered sweet nonsense into his ear. And then he took these words as truth because these words made him feel good. So, I mean, it's like he's hired the false prophets to tell him what he wants to hear, and then he just believes it. That's why I say he's not very bright. And he's decided he's got it in his head that he needs to go to battle at Ramoth Gilead. And so he asks the prophets how it's going to go. And all the prophets just tell him, hey, you're going to win this fight. Go for it, man. And so Ahab is getting ready to go into battle. And he decides, there's kind of a whole story here, but he decides to ask one more prophet. And this one is going to be a true prophet. His name is Micaiah. This is not one you might have heard of before. He doesn't have a book of the Bible that he's written. So you might not have ever heard of Micaiah. But Micaiah is just this kind of random prophet. I mean, he's a real prophet, a true prophet. He has a real connection with God. And Ahab decides to go ask Micaiah what he thinks. And so since Micaiah is a true prophet, he's going to be the only person out of all these prophets to tell Ahab the truth. So in 1 Kings 22, we're going to pick up this story. I've kind of introduced it for you. We're going to pick it up at verse 19. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And so what Micaiah is seeing right here 
is this divine council that I was telling you about. Micaiah is here calling it all the host of heaven. And so, you know, to us that might, we might think, oh, does that mean, you know, the angels, the the seraphim, the cherubim, all those beings up in heaven. But as we read the story, you're going to find out it's not just talking about the good guy angels. Okay. There's actually bad guys who are here at this meeting too. And so verse 20, and the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Let me pause there. So while Ahab has been plotting out this attack, okay, he's been getting ready for this attack at Ramoth Gilead. And then he learns that God, this is what Micaiah is telling him, God has decreed that Ahab is to die there. Now, Ahab is kind of like, hold up here. Wait a second, guys. The Ramoth Gilead thing, that was my idea. But Micaiah is saying, no, this was decreed in heaven first. You might have thought that you thought of it, but God wanted there to be a battle at Ramoth Gilead. And so he had the ideas for all this put into Ahab's head. It's just like what Proverbs 21.1 says. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. You know, that's just an amazing verse to me. You know, kings and presidents, they think that they're the ones who are calling all the shots. They have no idea that God and there's these other spiritual beings. These beings are up in, in the heavenlies, okay? And, and they are guiding what these kings and presidents decide to do. Even the godless pagan kings, you know, even the sinner, you know, most most world leaders, like most people in the world, are sinners. They're lost. The, many of them are, are pagan. And yet God will, the king's heart is a stream of water in his hand. He will, he will make those kings decide what God wants him to decide. And so it tells us how this works right here. In first, let me read tw- verse 20 again. It's just such a mind-blowing verse. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. So God has this main idea. He says, hey, I want Ahab to go die at Ramoth Gilead. How are we going to make this happen? Okay, so God throws the idea out there. He puts it on the table. He doesn't just make all the decisions by himself. And I know this is what 99% of Christians probably think. They think God sits on his throne and he just has determined every single detail of all things in his own mind. And if God wanted to, he could certainly do that. Okay, I'm not saying God doesn't have the power to do that. I'm just saying it's it's not really how he operates. I mean, I'm not so shocked that God has a council. My biggest shock comes from the fact that there are actually evil beings who are present at the council. That's what we'll see next. Beings like Satan, beings like what we call demons or fallen angels, they are invited to the table. We're not going to see Satan in this story, but listen, listen here to what happens next. 1 Kings 22, verse 21. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. So let's just back up for a second. It doesn't say the spirit's like name or identity. He just says, hey, I'll go out. I'll be a lying spirit. So is this a good spirit or a bad spirit? Well, I'm thinking this is a this is an evil spirit right here. I don't think God's angels lie necessarily. I don't think like that wouldn't necessarily be their job um, to go around and put lies in people's mouths. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so. God says he's not going to tempt people into evil, but this is really hard to wrap our minds around. What is going on here? 
this is telling us that the false prophets who have been lying to Ahab, they're hearing something. You know, they have some kind of connection to spiritual reality, but they're not hearing the truth. You know, it's kind of like, just like when, when Moses went up against Pharaoh's magicians, they could do magic. So they had a connection to the spiritual world. And that's kind of like these prophets here. They have a connection to the demonic world, to the, to the world of the Elohim, the small G gods. So these evil spirits tell God, yeah, yeah, we know how to get Ahab to go to Ramoth Gilead. We have a connection with these false prophets. We'll just use them. We're going to put a lie right into their mouths. They might even think that they're hearing this straight from God. So verse 23, therefore, look, this is Micaiah talking. The Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours, and the Lord has declared disaster against you. And so everything in this chapter, chapter 22 of 1 Kings, everything that happens is part of God's plan. Ahab's lying prophets, who are all telling him that he's going to be victorious in the battle at Ramoth Gilead, maybe they think that they're telling real spiritual insights from like the true God, but they're deceived. Maybe they know that they're lying. I don't know. But God is, here's what we, we can say. God is directing this whole scenario. He has caused Ahab to be deceived. Now that's still Ahab's fault. Ahab has chosen to rely on the false prophets. He's chosen to hate and persecute the true prophets, the ones like Elijah, Micaiah. So God is using these lying spirits to entice Ahab into this conflict and Ahab is going to die in the conflict. Like this is all, this is what God's plan is. Okay. Everything that happens in this chapter is part of God's plan. So God remains in control and God has decreed what the outcome should be. And he even relies on the council's input for how they want to make it happen. So <laughs> there you go. That is a lot of, I think, pretty fascinating information about how things work in the spiritual realm. We're going to stop there for today. I want to be back with a moment. I want to give a few uh, concluding thoughts and throw a few more additional like supportive scriptures in for today. So come back in a moment and then we'll wrap it up. Next time on this podcast, we are going to introduce a weird book. We're going to look at the book of Jude. And I'm picking that book because I want to use that book as an outline for some of the topics that I want to discuss over the next few months. So make sure you're subscribed. If you're not subscribed and you're listening right now, go get subscribed so that you can get that episode and get future episodes. Uh, what weird stuff in the Bible do you want to know more about? My email is weirdstuffinthebible at gmail.com. We got a mailbag response from one of our listeners. Her name's Marissa, and she's in Canada. She said about our last episode, this was definitely sent by the Holy Spirit. My mom and I were just discussing this exact scripture. So, hey, Marissa, thank you for that comment. I, I recorded that episode about, that was talking about my episode on Daniel 10. That's the one that came out previously to this one. And I recorded it on a Sunday morning. And then that day at my church, that's what my pastor was talking about. He was talking about Daniel 10. and then. When that episode aired, one of my podcaster friends said that he had just recorded an episode about Daniel 10 also. <laughs> so I'm taking and I'm taking that comment just as further confirmation. Like, I think God is directing our attention to that chapter of the Bible right now. There's something God wants us to see. And so if you haven't listened to the latest episode, make sure you go back and hear that. Um, closing thoughts for today. 
that what I've been discussing about the divine council, how God makes decisions, this is what, what we see is the real world effect of what is going on up in heaven. Okay. Probably just about every big decision that you see is due to conflicts that are happening in the spiritual realm that we don't even know about. If, if you listen to last week's episode, as I said, go back and listen if you didn't. We learned that some of our earthly conflicts between nations, they are because spiritual beings are in conflict with one another. So I don't always know on any given conflict, any given war that's going on in the world, why it's happening. But we get a sense from the Bible of how it's happening. We, we've got a lot going on right now. When you look at the headlines with Ukraine, with Israel and Hamas, okay? And so as I see that stuff breaking out, it just causes me to question, what is God doing? Because I don't think God's taking his hand off the wheel. I think he's moving pieces around on his chessboard and he, he has a reason behind all of it. So what is the reason for right now? Is he setting up for the end times? You know, maybe maybe he's saying, I want Russia to have this territory that currently belongs to Ukraine. So I need some kind of conflict between them to kind of make this all work itself out. Maybe God's looking at, you know, what it says in Ezekiel 38 and 39. Maybe God is allowing Israel to be attacked back in October because he's setting something up for Israel to look weak. And so perhaps that entices Gog and Magog to go after them. This is, I, I see that as a plausible scenario. For right now, we just have to wait and see. But here's what I do know. God is doing something. So some of you might've had an issue with what I said before about how God could use evil spirits to do his will. Um, and maybe you're thinking, well, that story was probably just an exception. That was an anomaly, okay? That's not how God typically works, all right? Well, as I said at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to show various places where stuff like this happens in Scripture. In fact, just this past week, I was reading in Isaiah 37, and, and that's a story about King Hezekiah, and he goes to ask Isaiah for help. There's an invasion that's coming by the Assyrians, and this is what God says in verses 6 and 7. Don't be afraid because of the words you have heard, with which the king of Assyria's attendants have blasphemed me. I am about to put a spirit in him, and he will hear a rumor and return to his own land, where I will cause him to fall by the sword. So right there, God says, I'm going to put a spirit to cause the Assyrian king to turn around and go home. So and it doesn't say it's a lying spirit, but I'm just saying like God will put a spirit into a being or, or use one to influence a king to do what he wants. In 1 Samuel 16, 14, it's talking about King Saul. We won't go into the whole story, but just listen to this verse. It says, Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. So in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, it says the Holy Spirit left Saul, and a harmful spirit came instead. And not just a harmful spirit, but a harmful spirit from the Lord. God sent a harmful spirit to kind of torment Saul. Let me read it in uh, the, the King Jimmy version, okay? It, it's the, just the King James. Let's read what King Jimmy said, it, how he put it. But the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. I just made it a lot worse, didn't I? <laughs> an evil spirit. And in this context, evil means harmful. So when it says evil in the Bible, a lot of times it's a synonym of doing harm. So anyway, I hope I've kind of convinced you today. This is a typical way that God operates. And as I said at the beginning, and, and, and I'll said it in the previous episode too, God takes our requests, prayer, 
So I think what this shows us is we need to keep praying, pray, 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 and keep praying and keep bringing things up before the Lord. Because here's what I think. I think whenever we pray, God is taking suggestions from us, just like we were present in the divine council ourselves. It doesn't mean God's always going to do things our way. Okay. Just like I doubt that God always listens to all the requests of his own spirits who are there, but God gives us an opportunity to voice our opinion, to kind of throw our hat into the ring on deciding how things are done. So take those opportunities, bring your prayers up before the Lord, put things before him. He is listening to us. In fact, he invites us to literally pester him with our prayers and petitions. So keep bringing those things up before him. And who knows, your repetitive prayer, that just might make it on the table in God's council room while he's having a staff meeting. He might just throw your request out there for everyone and tell the Elohim to make it happen. And if that sounds weird, let me just remind you, the Bible is not weird. We are weird because we don't know about the divine council and their staff meetings in heaven. But now we do. Thanks for listening. God bless you for sticking around till the end. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>